0: This is Dish and Dirt with Gary Pickren, South Carolina's only podcast dedicated to the real estate agent craft. And now, the host of Dish and Dirt, Gary Pickren. And greetings, welcome back, everyone, to yet another episode of Dish and Dirt. I'm your often opinionated but rarely wrong host, Gary Pickren, coming to you from the beautiful downtown offices of Blair Cato Pickren Castle. A really good show for you today. Tom Zeeb is the president of Traction. Real Estate Investors, he's also the host of the Art and Science of Real Estate Negotiation. So today, Tom is going to join us and talk to us about some of the tips that he has learned and that he teaches his students on how to negotiate deals. Now, that is one of the things that we see in the Burnett Sister case, that they complain that the uh, real estate agent has all the incentive to get the highest price for the buyer, not the lowest price because you get paid based on commission percentages, that kind of misses the whole point of the marketplace, which is if you are a bad negotiator and you always get the worst prices for your client, then you won't be in business very long. So Tom is going to talk to you today about how to ensure that you are getting the best prices for your client, some of his tricks and techniques for doing so. And I've actually learned a lot from talking with Tom. He's got a lot of great information for you. So we're going to go ahead and jump right in today with Tom Zee. All right, guys, my guest today is Tom Zeeb. He's an active investor. He's a published author, president of Traction Real Estate Investors Association, the founder of Traction Real Estate Mentors, and the host of Get Traction Podcast. He has been featured on CNBC, Kiplinger's Magazine, Housing Wire, Washington Post, Washington Examiner, Financial Lifeline Radio, and other numerous cable networks, and even the Scotsman's Guide, among others. He's very well sought after, obviously. He speaks all across the country and even overseas at seminars, workshops, and boot camps. And today, he's joining us to talk about negotiations, marketing, and business techniques. So, Tom, thanks for joining us today from beautiful Sarasota, Florida.
1: My pleasure, Gary. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, you have a very unique story. I read a little bit about you when we kind of first connected. And how you got into the real estate business and how your life's changed since then is kind of an interesting story. And the real estate agents always love to hear about these things. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story and how you got into real estate?
1: Yeah, in a nutshell, I had a I had a regular nine to five job, and I was getting progressively more and more miserable in it because I just didn't really like working for other people. Didn't like having limits on you know what I did or how much I made, and uh, I, I was. Frustrated inside, but I couldn't figure out exactly what was wrong. And and meanwhile, I had worked myself into a heck of a lot of debt. I was uh, $113,000 in the hole. uh, And uh, man, how do I dig out of that? Is there a way to dig out of it? I mean, you know, a a legal way that doesn't have a gun or white powder involved. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I couldn't I I couldn't figure anything out. So I just uh, did escapism. I, I. I. I saved up my two weeks of vacation uh, and I I spent more money on credit cards and went on a giant adventure trip with a, with a few buddies to India to go whitewater rafting and have good times and wow. great adventure and it was awesome. Uh, but as we're white rafting, I uh, I I got flung off the raft in a, in a very rough class five rapid. I wound up under the water and for a while, when you you know not sure what's going to happen and where you're going to go and you're bumping into rocks and you don't know which way is up or down and I really needed to breathe. <laughs> there was no air. And then I, instead of being scared, I just got angry. I said, Well, all I've done is escape. And all I've done is, is, is dig myself into more debt. And this is not a solution for anything. Man, if I get out of this, I'm going to make things different. I'm going to change. And But the thing was, when I got out of the water and then I got back home, nothing had changed. Now I was just in more debt. And I didn't have any way. I had no idea what to do until... I told a friend of mine handed me a copy of Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that that spoke to me. That that spoke to the frustration I had when I was when I was drowning. And then uh, it showed me a way out. It said, invest in real estate, buy cash-flowing rental property. So I ran out and did that and then fell flat on my face. I was drowning again because I bought <laughs> a six unit building I had no clue how to handle. It was in New York City, uh you know, landlord-friendly New York City. I wanted it with six. Six uh, units with six tenants that knew how to manipulate the system and weren't paying a penny. So I made a bad situation worse. Uh, and it, But luckily, things turned around at that point. And I managed to um, get into real estate as an investor and and, and turn, turn properties around quickly and, and make positive money in that instead of negative money. And I, I was able to pay off my debt and move on.
0: You've been now doing hundreds of deals and you've now reached financial independence?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, I'll tell you, I paid off my debt in just shy of six months. I'm just focusing on marketing for deals and negotiating deals.
0: Well, well, that's what we're going to talk about here today. Real estate agents, and I want to hit it on two angles. One is that the principles we're going to go over today can be applied to real estate agents and their business model as it exists today. But secondly, also the need for real estate agents, particularly in a market like this, to look for that second source of income. I always believe your second source of income should be from something you already know about and something you already enjoy instead of saying, I'm going to sell Avon beauty products or I'm going to flip cars, things we know nothing about. So how important do you think this is for a real estate agent to look for that second source of income in in an area they already know?
1: Well, I think that's very important for the reasons you just said. You can, look, there's only so many hours in the day our brain only has so much capacity to focus and get things done. If you're going to go do something totally different, uh, then you're constantly shifting gears between you know, be, being an agent and doing your real estate and then doing something else that you chose. And that shifting back and forth is a massive time waste. It's a massive energy suck, And it just it, 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 it makes it hard to do. You're better off focusing in on one thing. So if your one thing is real estate, then just get a slightly different shade of that real estate for your, for your second phone. So uh, most of the time, when I hear people talk about, oh, I'm a serial entrepreneur and I've I've got five, six different types of businesses, I'm thinking, well, that's why none of them are massively successful. That's you, very you're, true. You're spread too thin.
0: What kind of things for a real estate agent to really start thinking about getting into investing? Not for everybody. Yeah,
1: it, it's not. Uh, invest real estate investing. It's a different game than being a real estate agent. Uh, rather than trying to get the highest and best price for your, for your client uh, or trying to put uh, a brand new buyer into a, a happy new home, you're probably looking for rundown, dilapidated properties that aren't in tip-top shape and that aren't at getting top dollar. You're going after the problem properties because then when you fix them up and resell them, that's the value play that makes you money. Or when you find something that's acceptable as a rental, you can buy it, rent it out, and that's that's your value play there. So it's a different value play that's in mind. And sometimes I think, you know, there's that, the classic thing where well, agents don't like investors, investors don't like agents, but there's no need to have that level of animosity. We can figure out we're just we're, we're in the same space, but we're playing a slightly different game. There's nothing wrong with that. Both both sides can win. We just have to learn to. Focus when you have one hat on, focus on what that hat needs to do. And when you put the other hat on, shift gears and say, All right, now things operate a little differently because I'm after something different.
0: A lot of people in this investing realm or this market do talk about that, that the agents and investors are kind of like oil and water. I don't really see it that way because I look at a real estate agent and realize that an average agent's going to work with one homeowner like every eight years because a person that you help put in a house typically doesn't move for eight years in the United States. And if they do move, you only have like a 20% chance of even getting them back. Cause so Zillow's probably already stole them anyway. So an investor like yourself might do what, 15, 20, 30 deals a year. And if I can figure yeah. out a way to bring deals to you and help you list your deals once you rehabilitate the properties, I'm getting a whole lot more listings than I ever will from John, homeowner.
1: I actually think there's a very good... um Overlap between it that if, if you're even if you're primarily an investor if you become a licensed agent you can it, it's almost like you're you're borrowing that credibility so you, you could be talking to someone and say well you know here sign my listing agreement I'll get you top dollar for your property and then they say well no all right well fine then 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 I can buy it from you as an investor. And let's work out that price, or vice versa. You, you you don't want my lower offer for all cash as an investor. Take the property off your hands right now, as it is fine. Well, then sign my listing agreement. I'll we'll put it on the market. I'll get you the most possible. So it, it in many ways there, there's no reason to have a, a conflict in that.
0: And I like that credibility comment, guys, because that is true. As a real estate agent, you have laws that you have to comply with, and as a realtor, you have ethical standards you have to comply with. So when you're talking to that. Uh, seller consumer, you can point out to those that I can't take advantage of you because I have legal laws that hold standards to me and I have ethical standards at the Realtors Association. And so I do think that is something valuable. Let's shift a little bit now and kind of talk about negotiations, marketing, and business techniques. What is the one thing that you believe, first of all, that is stopping people from getting more deals?
1: Consistency, consistency in their marketing, A, a repetition factor, a multiplication of their effort. So, Usually, at first, it's do they have any marketing going? Is there even a focus on it? But then, secondly, is there a focus on repeating that marketing? Because I don't know. I mean, last time you've seen a a TV commercial or heard a jingle on the radio, you didn't memorize it the first time you heard it. You've heard it again and again and again. You've seen that commercial again and again and again. And then it finally sinks in. And we kind of instinctively know that. And yet, we don't do that in our own real estate businesses. Why not?
0: Yeah, we do get to the habit of, well, do things for a couple of weeks and then we just quit, move on to the next thing, and the message gets completely all over the board. The message needs to be consistent. It's not saying that we have to have the exact same post every single day, but everything has to build off of that general theme that we're looking for.
1: Yeah, you've got to be consistently in front of people and then you've got to recognize that that takes some work, that takes some effort. And I don't consider work a four-letter word. But but a lot of people look at it that way. You got to put some effort in and that effort has to be on implementing and actually getting things done.
0: Absolutely. Well, what does solid negotiations or rather, how does solid negotiations make the huge difference in real estate?
1: Well, you'll get more people saying yes to you. More people say yes and you'll get more, you'll get more out of each deal as well. So not just you get more deals from more people saying yes, you also get more out of each deal because you've negotiated it better.
0: Now, so what are some tips that we need to talk about for agents that they could test themselves on to, make, to get more deals, to learn better negotiation skills? Because I don't think we spend enough time in negotiation. I think that one of the things that you see from these lawsuits, the Sitzer and the Burnett lawsuits, is that they wrongfully say that real estate agents don't try to negotiate best deals because they get paid on commissions. Well, to me, Marketplace says, if I'm terrible at negotiating deals, then you're not going to hire me because you want the best deal. You're, you're going to yeah. fire me and go find somebody else who's better. So what do we need to do to become better negotiators? What are some tips?
1: Practice it. I'm going to give you some specific tips right now, and I, and I want everyone to practice them. Just try them. In fact, if you have any sort of prejudice against negotiation, I'm going to ask you to just put it aside for a little while and at least try. A number of agents that I work with, it's, it, it, as an investor, right? if I have an agent working with me and I, I tell them up front, I said, look, I've got a very specific and different and maybe a little bit strange negotiation style. Uh, I'm going to ask you to, to do things a certain way, say things a certain way. And I just want you to trust me. I'm not going to have you violate any laws. I'm not going to have you violate any codes of ethics, but it, it's, it might feel a little bit strange. Just try it and watch what happens. And usually at first, all oh, that stuff doesn't work. Agents don't negotiate like that. We don't like doing things that way, Tom. We don't, it doesn't work. I said, well, well, if it doesn't work, then at least prove that to me. And then, of course, we do it, and it works. <laughs> and then I've got a convert on my hand. So let, there you go. let me give you three of my favorite techniques. Um, the, first off is I always want people to flinch when they hear a number. And it doesn't matter what number. doesn't matter if it's high, low, anything. Just the moment you say a number, you flinch. So, Gary, if, if I... Uh, I'm going to ask you to say a number to me. a hundred thousand. Woo, a hundred thousand. That's a lot. Now, how do you feel about
0: your number? It may have gone too high.
1: You may have gone too high. Sure, but that it's a very predictable thought. People think their number is wrong, and you know they're too high, they're too low. But wait a minute, I didn't say give me a price on a house or a car or. But I just say a number. We don't even know what we're talking about. And yet, when I flinch, you feel that your number is not quite right. It's too high. That's a very predictable response. So when you're trying to get movement on a number, the first thing you need to do is kind of send that shot over the bow and, and flinch. And then it already sets the, sets the pace for them that that number is not quite right when we got to work on it. The second thing I, that I want to do is, is called bracketing. Uh, where, where do we tend to meet in a negotiation? Where's the most fair spot for me? In the middle. In the middle, right? Everyone knows that. It's fair in the middle. We're going to meet in the split middle. Split the baby. Yeah, exactly. And, but things, yes, yeah, split the baby. And things do tend to move towards the middle. It's just a natural place to meet. So when I talk about bracketing from a negotiation perspective, I'm engineering where the middle is. In fact, I'm engineering the middle to be exactly where I need it to be. So if I have a target price, I make that the middle. Well, how do I know it's the middle? Well, because I know what my target price is, and then I ask them how much are they after. So I, I don't know. Let's say my target price is 250000 At 250000 it's a deal, and I'm happy. Well, if I ask them how much are you asking for the property, and they say 300000 then I say, $300,000. <laughs> <Right>? 1st <First> I, <laughs> I flinch because these are all layered. And then, okay, they're $50,000 above my target price. So, I need to go. If I'm going to bracket, I got to create a bracket of the same distance below. So, if they're 50,000 high, I've got to go 50,000 low. So, I'm going to come in at 200. That way, we're moving towards the middle at 250. But wait a minute, Gary, I I would never offer $200,000 on that property. uh, Because of the third thing I want to teach you, which is super easy, uh, is specific numbers. I would never offer 200,000, but I would offer two hundred
0: and three thousand five hundred
1: seventy nine was that well how does that sound to you now
0: sounds like you put thought into it there's a reasoning behind it yep
1: oh man this guy must have done his research he's put some real thought in he knows what he's doing he's an expert that's really exact he must be clinical because he came up with that specific of a number where quite honestly I pulled it out of thin air. It's just a specific number. All my starting offers end in five seventy nine. I, I I just like the way that sounds. So rather than spitballing at two hundred, I say 203 or three five seventy nine, and now they're thinking this is exact. What what does he know? Well he's done some real research. So my offer gets taken more seriously. This is one I've had to uh, I've debated this with agents a lot. Like, oh, that just sounds so awkward. How do I explain it? I say, Don't explain it. Just say it. If you need to explain it, say your client is uh, is, is OCD. Your client is very, very discerning and very specific and very exact in the way he thinks. I said that's fine. Blame it on me because I'm the one. I'm the one making the offer anyway. You're the one communicating the offer, and when you do it at that kind of level, so just try those three things and watch what happens. They work for agents. Trust me, I know because I have my agents doing those things.
0: Well, I, th- I think the last one particularly, because particularly if you're an investor, they're sitting there thinking to themselves, "Well, this investor's got his paper, his pad, and his." Calculator out, and he has added all the numbers up, and he obviously has to get to a certain number to make the deal work. So there's probably not a lot of room that I've got left in here to get them out. So I think they start negotiating in their mind against themselves because (laughs) they literally think that you've got this thing down to a number, and it doesn't matter what they want; it's what the deals were, which is what you want them to do is get away from what they want. Absolutely,
1: and yet I still want them to feel like they won in the end. So I'm going to make sure that I've started low, low but low, too, too low for them. But I want to, I want them to bring me up to, quote unquote, their price. Because then they feel like they won, and then they're more committed to it. Because you got to give people a leg to stand on. It, they go talk to friends or family. It, it, so, you know, what, you took their first offer? or you could have gotten more. So instead you say, no, 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 his first offer, like $203, $579, but I got him up to $250. And now they feel like they won and they have a leg to stand on.
0: So do you have to worry about going too low, though, in your bracketing that it offends them at some point and they just walk away? Or is that just worth, worth the risk if you're going to do these negotiations? To me, it's
1: worth the risk. I mean, if they hang up on me, they hang up on me. They're probably not motivated enough to be the kind of person I want to do, uh, deal with anyway. Otherwise, I can always, if they're, if they're insulted or uh, offended, then I can easily fall on my sword and say, I'm so sorry. I, I certainly didn't mean to offend you. Uh, what would I need to come up to to make this work for you? So I open it up again. Now let them tell me you no, know, And it starts to Well, I can never do two hundred and three, whatever Tom. But you know, I would do two sixty. Well, bingo! I just pulled them down forty grand. <laughs> so now we're talking. Now I'm getting them moving. Now we're closer to my goal, and I can start pulling out other techniques. Yeah. I've got fifty two different techniques that I use. And the but beautiful back-
0: thing, well, the beautiful thing there is you got them negotiating against themselves. You never threw. I mean, they were at, at 300, you threw out 200, and they're like, uh, and then all of a sudden you're like, well, what would you take you? And now they, they've negotiated themselves $40,000 down instead of saying 300. Yeah. <laughs> they start negotiating against themselves.
1: Yeah, all that from, from three simple techniques.
0: I it's like those.
1: It's incredible what you can do. You'll, ne- you'll never make money faster than when you're negotiating. The way what, it is. what do
0: you feel your success rate is using these types of techniques?
1: Well, the, look, you're not always going to get somebody to say yes. This isn't right. some sort of, you know, you know, ninja, or whatever, you know, magical technique. But you're going to get more people saying yes, and you're going to move those people down. So almost uh, all, I would say, it's almost 80-20, rule. Eighty 80% percent of the time, I'm going to get some movement on price. Twenty percent of people, they're not interested. They they're, they're stuck on the price that's it. Those those deals are dead on arrival. They're dead if it's on a column. But eighty percent, I start to get some movement. And I would say probably you probably split at 80-20 again, about 20% of those. I'm going to get down to the price, the, the price that I needed to be at. The other ones stay in some sort of flux, maybe not low enough. I might have to walk away for a while. Maybe call them back in a month and see what happens. Uh, it, it's because time will change everything.
0: And as an investor, have you found that to be effective? I know negotiating a, uh, an offer is a little bit different from a uh, real estate agent aspect when they're dealing with a property on MLS, people trying to move it quickly. But have you found that time actually helps your negotiation, whether it's a go back at them a day later or go back a week later, or in your case as an investor, maybe even a month later? So is time an enemy or is time going to be a friend to you in these situations?
1: Yeah. Time Time is my friend. But particularly when I have the investor hat on, time is my friend because if a month goes by and they still can't move it, they're starting to get realistic about their price. You know, if they've been if they've been listed and a month goes by and they still haven't sold, now they're starting to they're starting to doubt their agent. They're, they obviously know it's not selling at that price, and they need to make an adjustment. So the time is helping you in that respect. Uh, I think it, on the agent side, time could be more your enemy, right? Because you are you're you are trying to move it fast for them, so you'd want to make sure you're doing things that you don't let too much time slide by. And I would say probably price it a little bit under where you think. Uh, you're still within reason that you would accept it if, if you needed to, but price a little under and create a little bit of, uh, of interest in it. Uh, you can always go higher, but but if you're if you, if pushing it too much at the beginning, you might just not get the interest, and then that's going to hurt you in the long run.
0: I'm one of the people I can't stand to negotiate because I feel cheap. I think a lot of problems that people have, that's going to be hard for real estate agents, if, or people just get too emotionally attached to what they want, and they lose all sense of negotiation because it's just I got to have it.
1: Yeah, but look, you're not alone, Gary. I bet a lot of your listeners going, I don't like negotiation either. It sounds weird. It sounds cheap. Or, they, or they 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 confuse it with high pressure sales, which nobody likes. High pressure sales. It's always an uncomfortable situation. So, I think that's one of the issues in negotiation. What I try to do is. Changes the perception of it. Say it's a dance. It, it's it's fun. It's it, it's a it's, oh, it's a seduction. is one way of looking at it. right? We're trying to trying to slowly move to where we want to be, and let's enjoy the process and see what happens in it. Remembering that other party can walk away at any time. You're not you're not putting somebody into a headlock and forcing them to say yes. We're moving them to see where would they go, and if if how flexible are they. That's what we're after. So we, we don't have to look at it in a negative light, although I think many people have grown up looking at it in a negative light. So that's that's what I just try those techniques I taught you. They're harmless. Not going to hurt anyone with them. Try them and see what happens. And then you might start to look at negotiation in a different light.
0: Well, I do think it might be a little bit cultural as well. As you said, we grow up in the United States really not negotiating anything. The price is the price. And even if you remember back in was it the nineteen nineties, Saturn came out with the car. Saturn was a non negotiating car price. You the car the price was the price because Americans don't like to negotiate. We don't like to be confrontational. Um, my former minister who's Ethiopian, I remember going to a restaurant with him, a chain restaurant, and he's trying to negotiate the price of the drink. And I'm like, well, What are you doing, Amos? This isn't a negotiation, it's a menu. Uh, you know, but he said in his culture where he's from, you negotiate every single thing.
1: No, nope. Culturally, Americans are at a disadvantage and we deal with a ton of foreign born sellers, foreign born buyers, foreign born clients. And we're at a disadvantage because they've grown up, you know, we find it maybe annoying and call it haggling. They're just looking at it as, as negotiation. In fact, sometimes they're disappointed that we don't play that game with them. And, and so it's very odd for them as well. So, uh, it's again, you know, we view it in the negative light, but I would rather you. I would rather you play chess against somebody you're well matched to do, rather than have to go in as a total rookie and get walked all over. And so I'll get training in some negotiation, like I say. I taught you three out of three out of 52 things. Try use them and watch what happens.
0: Your your tips are spot on. I've never thought about it. We sometimes, I guess, do it subconsciously, the bracketing, but look at it in that exact science. I think is very good. Um, last question for you, what are some of the major screw-ups that can knock an investor or maybe even an agent right out of business?
1: Not having negotiation skills. I mean, if you don't learn how to move somebody from saying no, and it knows the natural state of people, so you got to move them from no to yes, and if you don't have specific ways of doing that, then you're always just letting things happen by chance, or those occasional ones that will just go through anyway, but that, that's not going to be much of a good business if you're just waiting around for the ones that just happen. You've got to you got to make things happen. That means negotiating. Um, then I guess the, they're not prepared to deliver. You market, you negotiate. You've got to be able to deliver on your service. Oftentimes, I'm very suspicious of the best salesmen because I've noticed that sometimes their products are absolutely junk. On the other hand, I, I find the people with great products and great offerings usually are pretty crappy marketers, <laughs> and so it, it's it, and really bad salesmen, and so they have a hard time convincing you to do it. But I mean. I know that, so I'll go and actually go. Wow, that that sales pitch was horrible. I'll buy it. I because I thought the product's really good and back then. But that's me. Not everyone thinks that way. You've got to be a little bit. You know, you, you've got to get good at the selling and negotiation side. And and as agents, right? You're selling yourself. That's why your pictures on your business card, right? That's why you dress up nice. That's why you right. You're doing all that to to make sure you're selling yourself and that they're buying you as much as the outcome that they want. But then you've got to be prepared to deliver that. So. You've got to make sure you're not going to quit. You know what you're doing. And you can instill that confidence into your client that you've got them. And that's what they're coming to you for. They're coming to you for that expertise. Make sure that, that they maintain confidence in that expertise, which means you're kind of constantly reselling them on the value of everything that you do. Every little step of the process, you should make, you should make a, mo- a mountain out of a molehill. Any little thing that happens, Make sure you tell them how well you handled it, how well you protected them on it, because they've got to see the value in it. Otherwise, agents always know what's going to happen. Otherwise, they're going to see your commission at the end and go, what did they do to earn that? Mm -hmm. So you've got to be constantly selling them on every little thing that you did, because that's what makes you earn your commission.
0: Very sound advice in uh, light of what's going on with the SIDS and Burnett case versus the National Association. the one thing they constantly talk about is, Showing value, delivering value to the consumer so the consumer doesn't just see a real estate commission. Excellent advice. So, Tom, I know you are a a teacher, a coach, instructor for people that are wanting to get into the world of real estate investing. Tell us quickly about that and how people can find you and learn more about you.
1: Yep. I love to teach real estate investors how to market to find more deals, negotiate to make more deals, and then what they need in terms of contracts, control, and, and the ability to get paid. So we, we focus on on those three elements. Uh, my training program. I teach various one-day classes across the country, and then, it, but my program itself then is is online monthly, and it's an excellent way to be able to move ahead with getting involved in real estate investing. What, whether that's your you going to be your main focus, or if you're adding it on, like I said, it could be it's a perfect add-on for agents because it's in the same space. And you can you can play like we said earlier, almost be almost like you're a licensed uh, investor mm-hmm. at that point. So the best spot to go for more information is uh, two websites: TractionRealEstateMentors.com, dot com, mentors dot com on the on the training side, and then my podcast focuses specifically on negotiations, and that's at zeeb dot com, t o m z is in zebra, e e b as in boy dot com.
0: Well, thanks, Tom, for being with us. I think everybody definitely needs to learn more about negotiations, so definitely check out his podcast, and love to have you back sometime in the future, Tom. Awesome. Thanks, Gary. And that's all the time we have for our show today. If you'll please like us, share us, and subscribe, as well as tell all the other agents how awesome I am. That would be really great. You'll well, have a great weekend. See you again next week.